This is Sound and Vision from KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. So the last episode of this podcast was about how the California garage rock label Burger Records folded the summer because of sexual abuse and misconduct allegations against more than a dozen bands on the label. And many accusations involved minors. Teens were part of the Burger Records scene because Burger Records put on all-ages shows in Southern California. If you missed the episode, I highly recommend you listen to that first, because today we're going to hear from Jessica Hopper. She's a music journalist who's been writing about misogyny, sexism, and abuse in the music industry for more than two decades. I caught up with her recently to talk about her reaction to the fallout of Burger Records and how prevalent sexual abuse is in the history of rock and roll. Historically, within music for male artists particularly women's bodies, particularly young women's bodies, have been seen as their right, that it is a reward for playing a good show, etc. That it is it is part of what power can get you in these spaces, which is access to women, dominion over women in particular, though it's, it, 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 obviously it isn't uh, limited to uh, just women who who are subject to this predation. So we can't yet attempt to, quote, solve this problem when, as a community, as an industry, we haven't even really acknowledged or examined the historical scale of sexual abuse, predation, rape, rape culture within music, and that it has been part and parcel of music and music's communities and and particularly, you know, within the concert world, you can't move right to fixing it if you cannot and if you have not looked at the fact that music is a space where abuse is so pervasive and that the silence of survivors, of women, of marginalized folks within music that silence is about what happened to them is the only way that they're really allowed to participate in this space, to exist in this space as artists, as fans, as um, people who are part of these music communities, that, that their participation is predicated on their silence. And we have to first look at music culture music industry as a whole, and see that, see the many ways that we have continually and historically perpetuated that. And how many people in this space, how many people in our communities, our industries are traumatized just by virtue of being here. And so as much as we want to move all the way into like, how do we fix this? How do we fix this? Everybody needs to take a beat, take a pause, and go, wow, what does this mean? What does this mean that I have helped build, you know, a label, a band, a a venue, whatever, in this space where abuse is normalized, where silence about sexual abuse is normalized and that beyond that, that there are so little resources for anyone who has survived that sort of predation in this space. 
There are no meaningful resources for survivors. There is no accountability process. There are no organizations that are paying for the therapy of women who are coming out or therapy for people who are doing the abusing, who are being called out, you know? And, and while deplatforming abusers is, is sometimes necessary, you know, it's not always the most useful or even something that can bring healing or a healing outcome for anybody involved. So even though I'm really grateful to see some inroads and some progress, um, unless some of these call-out efforts or these these um, efforts to deplatform abusers or efforts to support survivors, unless they really tap into some of the historical activism and historical work within music for you know a more making music a more equitable space you're just continually reinventing the wheel Jessica Hopper points out that the punk and hardcore scenes did work to make safer music spaces in their communities and at their shows in the 80s that happened at venues including ABC No Rio in New York, which only booked bands that were devoid of homophobia, sexism, and violence. There was the all-ages venue called Gilman Street in Oakland that didn't allow alcohol, drugs, or people that showcased racism, sexism, homophobia, and transphobia. And again, those rules were in place back in the 80s. There's Positive Force in D.C. that was founded by activist punks in the 80s. And there's the Riot Girl movement in the 90s, where all female bands entered the punk scene and sang openly about gender issues and amplified the stories of women. And in today's world, she points to the Vera Project, which lives right next to KEXP, for being an example of a safe space for all ages shows. Jason Clackley is artistic director of the Vera Project, who first learned about safe spaces in the underground punk and hardcore scene growing up. He says, unlike Burger Records, Vera does not allow drugs or alcohol at shows, and they have policies and procedures, such as... No homophobia, transphobia, you know, any hate speech of any type. We don't tolerate any type of unsafe behavior in our space. It is very often, if, if we feel like an artist had been predatory to a younger folk um, in the space, then that will be reported to myself and the other talent buyer production coordinator. And we will we will handle that. We'll talk to the management or we'll also be like, hey, we're very clear about our, our standards here. We need you to back off there. If you want to just hang out in your, if it's the show is the night of the show and we had no idea, then it's kind of like, hey, we just need you to play. And you can hang out in your green room, but no one can be in your green room, you know? Like, because that could be a space in which that kind of where it could put a lot of younger folks in vulnerability. And Jessica Hopper also says it's important to have female leadership at venues who understand the history of sexism and abuse in the music industry. You know, young people who are new to music spaces oftentimes believe that they are the first or the only people that this has happened to, especially in scenes where there are very few women over 30 around, um, you lose a lot of historical uh, memory, you lose accountability. I think that's actually kind of one of the warning signs is if you look around in, in a music scene, and there's no women with power, and there's no women over the age of, you know, 25, 28, 30, run. That's a warning sign. That's straight up a warning sign. 
That was Jessica Hopper talking about the prevalence of sexual abuse and misconduct in the music industry and how it's been happening for decades. Again, if you missed the last episode of this podcast, which was about Burger Records, I highly recommend you check that out. We also talked about what music venues and spaces can do to prevent sexual assault, misconduct, and harassment in the episode before that one. And these past three episodes took a lot of time and effort and work to put together, and I hope that you learned something along the way. If something that you heard moved you or made you think about something differently, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Those steps influence the algorithm that makes podcasts more discoverable or easier to find on podcast sites and makes it easier for other people to learn about this show. So again, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review Sound and Vision. And if you have the means, please consider giving a one-time $20 donation Nation to support this show at kexp.org/sound. Thanks so much for listening.